0: Good morning, everybody. My name is Gene. I am one of the preachers here at Grace Fellowship Church. It's a joy to be with you this morning. A special welcome to anybody who is visiting. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming. What is your glory and your joy in life? What gives you purpose? What gives you meaning? On a Deep level, yes, this is my fourth question for you this morning. What is your point for existing? Is it your family? Your children? Maybe it's your career or your job title? Your schoolwork? Your GPA? Is it being entertained? Is it movies, books, video games? Is it taking really good care of your car? Is it being with your friends? your pets is it your comfort and i'm not intending to say anything about any of these i'm i'm just trying to get your brains jogging this morning what is your glory what is your joy in life the christian answer is what it's god right god is my point for existing god is my glory god is my joy And there's strong biblical foundation for this. This is true. And while I don't think Paul would disagree with God being our glory and our joy, he does say some pretty strong things in this morning's passage. Do you want to know what Paul calls his glory? What Paul calls his joy? Then let's dig into... 1 Thessalonians 2 and 3. And I pray that these these biblical words, they shift your thinking and your hearts a bit toward, toward the words of the Bible. As you consider, what is my glory? What is my joy? Last week, Peter taught us from chapter 2 how to help those we love. This week, we'll learn what happens when we're apart from those We love and how communicating with those we love from afar, how it's really sweet. This morning, we'll see that a biblical understanding of ministry produces concern. Yet true success creates ultimate dependence. And that's on your outline. That's where we're going to work through the or how we're going to work through the text this morning. So especially if you're new um, Welcome. We have been going through the book of First Thessalonians uh, recently, and we've seen a couple of things. We've seen that the life of the church is a life of faith, love and hope. We've seen early on in this letter of Paul's that he is greatly thankful. He, he is grateful for the, the Thessalonians in the fact that they came to faith while Paul was with them. We've also seen... That Paul is no longer with them. He was torn away from them. And so he's writing this letter to them from another city. And he was torn away from them because of persecution, because of hatred toward Christians. And put yourself in Paul's shoes for a minute. If you were a church planter and you just started this church, a bunch of baby Christians, then you get torn away from them, what you might what might you be wondering? You'd probably be thinking, are they still Christians? Are they still following Jesus? They were just a bunch of baby Christians. So go ahead and turn to 1 Thessalonians 2 and we're going to find out how the Thessalonians are doing. Let me pray. Father, we, we give you praise and thanks this morning. Thank you for... Paul, thank you for his example. Thank you, Lord, for how, how deeply he cared for his disciples. And Lord, as we look to Paul, help us to this morning look beyond Paul and to see someone greater. Would you work in our hearts this morning? Would you draw us closer as a church? Unify us and help us to love one another, even as Paul loves these people, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, 1 Thessalonians 2, starting at verse 17. And I'm going to read all the way through the end of chapter 3. But since we, Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, since we were torn away from you brothers for a short time in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. When I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you and uh, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus, with all his saints. A biblical understanding of ministry produces concern. In this section, we see Paul's concern. Right? Paul describes how they were torn away from the Thessalonian church because of the affliction that Dan Miller preached on in chapter 1. And when they were all together in Thessalonica, the persecution against Christians, especially Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy, it just became so bad that They had to leave. Likely, they might have been killed if they didn't leave. And in doing so, they had to leave the church behind. But this passage says that they were torn away in person, not in heart. They yearned to see their friends again. Verse 18, we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Why, might you ask, did they want to see the Thessalonians so badly? Why is there this connection between them? Verse 19, for what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at His coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. You are our glory, our joy. Paul describes these people in such a way that if you talked about another person like this during the fellowship time, you might get some strange looks, right? Hey, I think you might be idolizing that person. I think you're holding that relationship with a a tight hand. Paul calls these people his joy, His glory. Paul says that when Jesus comes back, these people are my crown. Jesus. Look at these people. Rejoice with me. Look who I poured my life into. That's how he thinks about the Thessalonians. What is our hope or joy, our crown? And in case you... You didn't have the guts to answer his own question. He answers it for you very clearly. Verse 20, you are our glory and joy. You. We see a therefore in chapter 3 verse 1. When you see a therefore in the Bible, a good question to ask is what, what's the therefore therefore? Chapter 3, verse 1, therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind. And we sent Timothy to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. So what's the therefore, therefore? Well, before, Paul's talking about how the Thessalonians are his glory, his joy. Then we have the therefore. And then afterwards, he talks about how he sent Timothy to learn about their faith. The therefore is there because it shows Paul's deep concern for them. And and how his deep concern results in action. He sends Timothy to check up on them. They care so deeply that Timothy has to be sent. Timothy, go check up on them to see if they have renounced their faith in Jesus. To see if this affliction has Cause them to cave. And here's where I'm getting that from. Verse 2, to establish and exhort you in your faith. Verse 3, that no one be moved by these afflictions. These same afflictions that forced us to leave the city. And then verse 5, when Paul could bear no longer the uncertainty. The uncertainty of Are they still following Jesus? He sends Timothy. Verse 5. We sent Timothy for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you. And our labor would be in vain. For fear that the devil had tempted you away from the faith. And all our work in bringing you to Jesus would be for nothing. So. It is clear. We see Paul's deep concern. We see how he cares about their faith. You have to think about Paul somewhat like how a mom thinks about her firstborn son when he goes off to college. Hey, honey. How you doing? Are you eating enough food? How's your roommate? Are you eating? Are your classes hard? Are you making friends? Are you eating enough food? I remember when I was in college, my mom, almost the first question out of her mouth on the phone was always, Are you eating enough? Are you eating enough? Did you see me eat when I was home? I'm still eating like that. Paul has this, I'd say, even a greater concern than this um, for the people of Thessalonica. And this all matters because it shows how highly Paul prizes these people. How highly he prizes their faith. He calls them his glory, his joy. This all matters because it shows us that if we follow the Bible in how we minister to people, it shows us that we should be concerned about the faith of other people. How does this apply to you I'm going to use a term here, disciples, and all I mean by disciples is, is who you encourage in the faith or who you instruct in the faith. How does this all apply? Show care and concern for the faith of your disciples. Show care and concern for the faith of your disciples. One example of how I did this poorly recently is what happened when my friend called me the other night. He's a Christian, and he was looking for help. He was discouraged. And eventually I warmed up to him and and saw the opportunity to help him. But my first reaction when I saw the phone was, oh no, this is going to take a while. I don't want to answer this. Just a very selfish reaction. I would like to be of the mind of Paul, which sounds a little bit more like this. I can't wait to hear hear how you're doing. I can't wait to hear if you're standing fast in the faith. I want to hear about how your relationship with Jesus is going. I want to encourage you where you're weak. I want to exhort you where you're being stubborn. I want to hear from you that Satan is not tempting you away from Jesus. That's where I want to be. That's where I think the Bible calls us to be. Who's a friend in your life you could do this with? When you consider those you love, those you disciple, uh, those you minister to, and this doesn't apply just to people in full-time ministry. We're all called to make disciples of Jesus. As we follow Jesus. So when you consider those people. Do you care about their faith this much? Do you call them your glory? Your joy? Can you bear it no longer when you haven't heard from them for a while? Do you wonder if they're standing fast with Jesus or if they've been tempted by Satan? When you think about Jesus coming back in the sky, do you think about these people? Jesus, rejoice with me. Look at these people. Look who I poured my life into. I think if we embrace this biblical understanding of ministry, I think our relationships would look much different. So I encourage you, ask the Lord to to deepen your care and your concern for the faith of other people. A biblical understanding, it it produces concern. So, let's transition. True success creates ultimate dependence. True success creates ultimate dependence. So, I won't reread it, but the next section, verses 6 through 13, it starts off with a a relief. But now. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news. So they were wondering how they're doing, but now Timothy comes back with the report. Now he has brought the good news. It's encouraging. It's relieving. (sighs) What does Paul say about Timothy's report, verse 6, the Thessalonians always remember them kindly. The Thessalonians long to see them as Paul, Sylvanus, and Timothy long to see the Thessalonians. It's encouraging and relieving. And what fruit does it produce? Verse 7, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted. So Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy, they're still going through affliction, even though they're not in Thessalonica. And they take comfort. You know what, Sylvanus? This affliction is terrible. It's unbearable. But you know what? I take comfort. You know why? Because the Thessalonians, they're still following Jesus Christ. And I take comfort from that, even in my affliction. And just in case you didn't catch on to the fact that the Thessalonians are Paul's glory and Paul's joy. He says something equally stunning. Verse 8. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. We live on what condition? If you are standing fast in the Lord. Their life is wrapped up in the faith of these people. Their lives, their their breath. Another translation says, now we can breathe again if you are standing fast in the Lord. It's as if Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, they're underwater. they're, They're not breathing. Running out of oxygen. And until they know how the Thessalonians are doing, they are still underwater but, when Timothy comes back with the good report, it's as if they break through the surface of the water. I can breathe again. I know that they're still following Jesus. What a relief. Oh, how we live if you are standing fast. Do you care about the faith of others like this? Next, Paul. Asks a rhetorical question. Verse 9. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? And he goes on. His point there is that he can't return sufficient thanksgiving to God. For all the joy that the Thessalonians give him. They are such a sweet gift to Paul and Sylvanus and Timothy. So, we see, we see much success They started a church. The church believed in Jesus. They had to be taken away. But then when they checked back up on the church, they're still faithful to Jesus. So, huge success, right? But, even in the success, Paul knows that he's dependent on the Lord. Let's look at uh, verse 11. Paul starts to pray to God. He asks the Lord to direct their way back together. Verse 12, Paul asks the Lord to be the one to increase their love and to increase their um, affection for one another. To what end? God, I want you to increase their love for each other. Verse 13, so that they may be established blameless in holiness when Jesus comes back. I pray that God himself makes you more holy so that when Jesus comes back, you are blameless. And he's not talking about their salvation here. He is talking about their sanctification, how they progress in the faith, how they grow more and more blameless. He's talking about the working out of the Thessalonians faith. So why does this all matter? This all matters because it shows, even in success, we need to be dependent on God. Even in great success, Paul prays to the Lord to be the one to work. Paul doesn't rest on his laurels. He doesn't say, wow, I did a great job. They're still with Jesus. No, he he gives God glory and he says, God, we need you to be the one to increase their love. How does this apply to you? Two applications. Number one, when you are afflicted, take faith or take comfort, rather, in the faith of other people. When afflicted, take comfort in the faith of other people. The next time someone makes fun of you for being a Christian or the next time somebody treats you poorly because you say, I follow Jesus... Think of a dear Christian friend of yours and then take comfort in their faith. Maybe they live here in town. Maybe they live across the country. Maybe they live in Japan. Think about that person and the bond that you share because of the faith in Jesus and take comfort. Even in your affliction. Second application for you, pray for God to continue to work. Now that you have that person in mind, pray for that person. As Paul prays that the Thessalonians would grow in love, pray for that person. That God would be the one to make them love more. That God would make them love people in the church and people outside of the church. Paul says, for one another and for all, he's talking about for those in the church, and for other people. True success, it creates ultimate dependence on the Lord. And we know what Paul does here is amazing. It's great, right? Paul really loves these guys. He poured himself into them. He calls them his glory, his joy. But we know that Paul is just imaging someone else, right? Paul is just imaging the giving of himself of someone else. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. How much more amazing is it that Jesus cares about you and about your faith to a greater extent than Paul cares about the Thessalonians? Jesus was concerned for us and for our sake. So He left heaven and came to us to see us face to face. Jesus was dependent on the plan of the Father. Paul cared for the Thessalonians. Jesus cares for His entire church. Jesus cares for His bride. Mark 3 says... And he appointed the twelve, whom he named apostles, so that he might be with them. It's a little detail, but at the time of his, his appointing of the apostles, he appoints them so that he might be with them among his disciples. Jesus wants to be with them. Just as Paul wants to be with the Thessalonians. Paul talks about the Thessalonians as being his crown. God talks about his people as being jewels in a crown. Zechariah 9, verse 16. On that day the Lord, their God, will save them as the flock of his people. For like the jewels of a crown... They shall shine on His land. God thinks your jewels in a crown. And we see Jesus' dependence on God the Father. John 17, when he's praying to the Father, he says, "Father, I ask that these people may be one, even as we are one." And so we see that, that dependence displayed to a greater extent in jesus christ jesus poured himself out body and and blood that his people might have life jesus purchased his people on the tree that he might save them And yes, by rising from the dead, we look forward to His second coming. We look forward to His coming with all of His saints. Verse 13. This Jesus is amazing. And I I do want to be clear. I I am not saying that we can earn our salvation in how well we care for our disciples. Jesus is the one who... Who freely gives us salvation as a gift. And then out of that gift, we, we get the privilege of giving ourselves to other people. We get the privilege of pouring into other people like Jesus poured into us. So a biblical understanding produces of ministry, produces concern. Yet true success creates dependence. I'm going to pray, and then we can begin communion. Let's pray. Father, we, we bow before You. Thank You so much for Jesus Christ. Without Him, Lord, we would be left in our sin. Without Him, we would follow the temptation of Satan. Without Him, we would be without hope. But because of his great concern, because of his great love, he chose to give himself. And Lord, we we thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for Paul, too, and his example, how he loved the Thessalonians so deeply. And Father, would would you work in our hearts? I pray, Lord, that that we would be concerned about the faith of other people as Paul was concerned for the Thessalonians' faith. Father, I pray that You would work in this church. Lord, I pray that You would cause us, I pray that You would be the one to cause us to love each other more deeply. I pray that You would be the one to cause us to love people outside the church more deeply. Father, even in success, we are dependent on You. We are dependent on Your power and Your Spirit. And we we praise You now in Jesus' name. Amen.